Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Conversations about what matters the most. This is State of the Nation on today's news talk, TNT Radio. All right, welcome to State of the Nation. A very happy Friday to you. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting from the Central Jersey Shore, and there he is, Brian McLean, also known as our friend Hesher from Central Texas. Uh, we're doing the live broadcast thing. Uh, great way to wrap up the week. It's good to be back with you, Hash. I, I I apologize about I was on assignment, as we say in the biz, yesterday. So it's good to be back with you, man. Hey, man, big, we big... missed you while you weren't here yesterday. Uh, Timbo stepped in, so had a great first hour with Timothy Shea from The Reckoning. And, uh, yeah, we had a great show, but glad to have you back in the seat today, Steve. Yeah, it's good to be back in, and there's a whole lot. Um, well, you know, there's a whole lot going on, uh, and, and there isn't there always. They don't make, there's not enough hours in the day to cover all of the nonsense going on uh, in the U.S. right about now. And I wanted to kind of start things off with this, you know, one of my most, one of, one of the, one of the journalists that I absolutely look up to, I absolutely say, okay, now this is a journalist is Catherine Herridge. Of course, Catherine Herridge uh, made her bones over at the Fox network. She left a year or two ago. Uh, and she took a very large contract at CBS News, and she started to actually give that network a little bit of a, oh, I don't know, um, believability in her reporting. She was, uh, and she's just a hard-nosed journalist. So here's a story. Uh, CBS News has now, first time ever they've done this, they've seized all of it. You know, they let her go last week. They, oh, well, we're blowing out a bunch of, a bunch of people at CBS because they're hemorrhaging money because they're because they're propagandists for the state. People are picking up on that. CBS News says, well, we're going to have to purge the system. Now, again, they just hired Catherine Harridge, and they hired her for a pretty uh, pretty sum, from what I understand. But Michael Schellenberger is saying that what CBS News has done now is absolutely beyond the pale. They have seized everything from Catherine Harridge before they let her go. That may, means her laptop, her phones, all of her uh, contacts, all of her quote-unquote anonymous sources. Michael Schellenberger says this is a gross violation of journalistic ethics. If you're a whistleblower, you cannot just uh, you cannot trust the corporate news media with your secrets any longer. Uh, anyone who isn't confused, this is what Ed Edward R. Murrow, and this is funny, because Edward R. Murrow, Walter Cronkite, Roger Mudd, all of these pillars of journalistic integrity all worked at CBS News. That's how far they've fallen. He said, Murrow, years ago, anyone who isn't confused really doesn't understand the situation. <laughs> now, <laughs> so, and, and he was right all those years ago, and he's more right now than he could have ever been back then. As you know, CBS is owned by BlackRock, and BlackRock is uh, kind of coming under fire for this. But you heard about this, Hesh. What do you think? Catherine Herridge gets let go. CBS tries to blame it on their, well, we're just having to let go of a bunch of people, even though they just hired her. But the seizing of everything she had, that is crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, I like how she's uh, declined to make any public comments on her departure, pretty much, you know, for the most part. 
this is definitely a developing situation and there's something completely egregious and novel happening here i feel like i'm using that word more often lately we're seeing more of this just you know novel abuses of power grotesque abuses of power and look at what's happening in the background I mean, the United States is trying to extradite Julian Assange, a non-citizen of the United States, for doing journalism and charge him with treason. Uh, you know, I mean, look at the way whistleblowers have been treated over the last 10 years or so, even longer in some cases. And, and, and know that this company, this media company that is owned by a, a ghoulish giant, uh, you know, international banking corporation has stolen has has done something that's never been done before i mean maybe it has maybe there's a precedent for this we're we're going to talk about this with steve cohen later he'll he'll definitely yeah. set us straight if there's a precedent i don't think that there is steve uh and and they've endangered her perhaps they've endangered i mean who knows they they could be endangering some of her sources uh we we just don't know where this is gonna go why this is you know okay can they be sued for this i mean uh so many it just begs so many questions but it is frightening to see that happening yeah well that might be what what you just said there about about a possible lawsuit maybe that's why katherine harridge is keeping her head down right about now but a former cbs manager who spoke on the condition of anonymity and why wouldn't you these days yeah he said uh he said that he had never heard anything like this he attested to the fact that in past departures journalists took all their files and office content uh, contents indeed the company would box everything up from cups to post-its for departing reporters he said Uh, He said that holding the material was outrageous and clearly endangered confidential sources. And that's the that's the thing right there, because Catherine Harridge had a whole bunch of confidential sources. We recall, uh, Hesh, about a month ago, we were reporting about her saying, well, maybe a black swan event may happen uh, between now and election time. Who knows? People are starting to. And it was shortly after that that she was removed from the air. And now not only have they given her the axe, but they've taken everything she had. Absolutely, absolutely absurd. But like you said, we'll talk about it with Steve Cohen. Hey, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the major social platforms, including, of course, Facebook, X, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, I must say, Hesher, we're going to, as I'm looking forward to getting Cohen's take on that Catherine Herod story. That's going to be, uh, because I mean, this guy, I mean, he was the longest uh, uh, news director in the history of American news. So I'm sure he has a very strong opinion on this and I look forward to it. But did you hear this? Joe Biden has overseen 7.2 million million illegal aliens at the southern border. That, to put that in perspective, and by the way, that's just the ones that we've apprehended. That doesn't include gotaways. And gotaways, by the way, just a reminder to everybody, those are people that have been observed that they couldn't catch. So gotaways plus never even known abouts are out there as well. Okay, so there's millions and millions and millions of them, but 7.2 million illegal aliens 
uh, not not even apprehended. That's the wrong word. Met yeah. at the border with open arms <laughs> and, and 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 a welcome basket. That's the equivalent of two straight years of U.S. births. That's how many we're talking about here to try and give you some uh, you know indication. And the difference is the 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 seven point two million American babies that would have been born, they don't come uh, with criminal records in their past. Uh, they don't arrive onto our shores uh, with nothing uh, to, to speak of uh, with their handout. They're born. Uh, this is just crazy, this uh, this uh, southern border hash. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk about replacement theory, and that's always been very unpopular. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I even said it, I'm probably flagged up on some, you know, AI somewhere. Um, but this example right here and i'm not like you said you know 7.2 million is a very conservative estimate even for the encounters and processed we've heard numbers like 8 million we've heard numbers like 10 million so but it's it's interesting to see 7.2 million coming into sort of a larger headline with some some receipts to go with it at this point and then it becomes purely mathematical analysis you know, I've seen African-American pundits this week talking about replacement theory as it pertains to them, you know, wherever they yeah. live. Uh, if, if you're talking inner cities and blue cities, well, all of a sudden you've got African-Americans saying, hey, wait a minute, this replacement theory is not just a white supremacist talking point from conservative media because all of a sudden I'm looking around and, you know, everything is different here and, and just look at these numbers. So yeah, it's uh it's a really interesting uh, fact. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, they, they always attack the replacement theory as racist jingoistic talk. The problem is this is the, just the facts on the ground. You look at it and you're like, well, okay. If it's not replacement theory, what the hell is it exactly? Uh, because I, I can't think of anything else that that it could possibly be. Nobody uh, in the right in their right mind thinks that Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing this because they're compassionate. It has nothing to do with compassion. It's a money game. It's a it's a redistricting game. Uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a replacing game. Uh, it is uh, intentionally. Uh, changing the demographics of the nation. It's it's so patently obvious. So to, to just, you know, speak truth to power, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and, and they'll say, if you look to the government, they'll say, oh, well, they're asylum seekers. That's been debunked. We know that's debunked very easily now. They say it's families escaping persecution. That's debunked because 80, 90, I don't know what, 95, I'm spitballing here, percent of the people that we're seeing are military-age males. So... Uh, if they're being persecuted, why are they leaving their wives and children behind to face persecution without them? That doesn't make sense. That's debunked. The other one, it's a humanitarian issue. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, it's a humanitarian issue that it's an open border because now we have an $86 billion a year human trafficking uh, problem, the largest one in the, on the planet that we know of right here in the US of A. So all their reasons are completely debunked. And then we get into the unpopular ones. But Steve, as you point out, the numbers support the unpopular theories. And there are even worse ramifications that, you know, we've discussed in great detail on this program. Yeah, yeah, it's just so I mean, it's, 
And you know it's you know it's concerning them because now all of a sudden Biden is talking about trying to do just about anything. Apparently, he's going to meet with governors of states. Uh, remember when Arizona first started putting up barbed wire, and then and then the administration sued them and they won that case. Well, guess what? They haven't snipped any of that barbed wire. They haven't cut down that razor wire yet. So even though they say that they're, oh, we're going to stop this. This is a, they're not. They know this is politically becoming a real problem for them. And you add that to the list of problems for them, and that's one that they think they can maybe shore up. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. It's an, it's essentially like the old, uh, you know, the old tale of the boy with the fingers in the levee at this point. It's like, okay, yeah. maybe Texas may gain some ground in this. We've got our Constantina wire up, extra Constantina wire. Well, the, the cartels and the NGOs and the government, they'll just all work together and say, well, uh, the hole over there in San Diego looks pretty wide open compared to this site right now. We'll just shift over there for a few months while this pans out. So, you know, it's just going to keep uh, being porous. They're going to keep leaking in. Not even leaking, they're flooding in. We're, we're way beyond leaks in the levee. The levee is completely broken, Steve. It's just a matter of yeah. where the main point of crossing is now. Yeah, and it looks like now it is California. And speaking yeah. of which, uh, you know, Ash, the other day we had Kate Monroe on, and now we know what Kate Monroe was doing. She kind of yeah, teased this a little out bit. There? I did see it. And everybody had seen this spot in the fence where it was right next to a wall where all of a sudden just slews of people were pouring around the fence between a little rock, natural rock wall, and there was a gap there, and people were just walking under the razor wire and coming in, a lot of them Chinese. Well, Kate Monroe saw that, too, and she got tired of it. Well, what did she do, Hesh? She went out there and she laid her own Constantina wire. She went <laughs> all the way down there. She took the long drive down there, and she said, well, uh, you know, I'll fix it if no one else is going to fix it a Marine will fix it. So she went right in there. She laid the wire. She closed the gap. It was uh, pretty fantastic to see. Yeah. And so far to date, nobody has removed that wire yet. So let's hope that it stays in place. But I suspect that if somebody does remove that wire, it won't be the Biden administration. It'll be drug cartels because they are ultimately in charge of our border right now. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, that does seem to be the thing. You know, it's all about the processing, isn't it? Now, uh, we've probably uh, let's let's break into it. What the heck? Uh, Steve, what did you think today when you saw the breaking news about Trump attorneys revealing the damning cell phone evidence against Fanny? Good old Fanny Willis and lover boy Nathan <laughs> Wade. They got geo tracked, man. What did you learn in that one? I love it. You'll recall that during the whole Fannie Willis uh, soap opera trial where they were defending, uh, where Fannie and her lover, Nathan Wade, were defending their relationship, and Fannie kept reminding everybody that I'm not the one on trial. I'm not, you know. Well, during the portion that portion of the hearings, she kept saying, and so did he, that they had, had no real relationship prior to uh, his hiring. In other words, there was nothing illicit going on here because I'd already been hired. I was doing the job. And then we discovered uh, remarkably that we had romantic feelings towards each other. And he said that I may have been at her residence no more than 10 times, probably less. Well, <laughs> Trump's team geo-tracked and found out 
35 booty calls and they were booty calls because they he would leave his east Cobb residence which is near marietta area i'm very familiar with this area it's northeast of atlanta and he would drive to her place that's about a 35 minute drive but he usually didn't leave his house until like i don't know almost midnight sometimes later sometimes earlier but he'd always stay for about four or five hours and then he would leave around 345, 415, 5 o'clock in the morning. So I'm sure they weren't work-related calls, uh, if you get my meaning. So he has been geo-tracked and caught in a lie. We'll see how it plays out. And he's a married guy, right? So uh, did he now He's did going he through a divorce. Well, he's going through I mean, a at the time, he's still married. Yeah. Or I don't know, maybe, maybe he got permission from his wife's boyfriend to uh, make those booty <laughs> calls, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know, but I do know that he made them. Make no mistake, booty calls were made uh and booty calls were pursued and the Trump team thankfully they pursued this uh this data and they got it and now they've presented it to the judge Steve McKay or Steve what was his name again the Trump uh uh I forget his his name the judge overseeing this. At any rate, they presented this stuff to him. And they said, look here, this is what we've got. And what would that prove? Well, it would prove that both Fanny and uh, her lover uh, were both lying. So that's perjury right there. This this case is going to get thrown out. I just can't see it going forward. I agree. Absolutely agree, Steve. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. Let's bring Steve Cohen into the show here. After these words from today's news talk, this is State of the Nation on TNT. TNT's Hervoy Morich. Putin said Biden would be a better U.S. president for Russia than Trump and dismissed concerns over his counterpart's age and acuity for the role. Um, so maybe he's af afraid of that label again of Russian collusion, Trump, Putin uh, and whatnot. But, you know, he's made the statement in the past that it doesn't matter who's in the White House, left or right, Democrat or Republican. Once the president gets in, um, men in black suits show up and tell tell him what to do. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. News Talk Radio listeners are some of the most active and involved listeners of any format. TNT Radio listeners rely on TNT Radio often as their primary source of information. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, we're about to be joined by one of our regular and favorite guests. Uh, we have so many great regular and favorite guests here, but this one's going to be good, especially considering what's going on right now. We got CPAC going on. We got this crazy business with cbs my goodness uh we've got south carolina coming up here so um very very interesting and also this week new developments in the katherine herridge ousting from cbs as it turns out we were just talking about how they took the unusual step of seizing her files computers records including information on privileged sources so joining us now to discuss is america's longest serving television news director and author of the new book 
50 years in a newsroom, a eulogy, Mr. Steve Cohen. Steve, welcome back to State of the Nation. It's great to see you. Start us off. Um, we just we have to ask. Start us off with um, is this an unprecedented event in the halls of mainstream media to have a journalist's sources seized upon dismissal? I mean, what do you make yeah. of this? You know, I, I absolutely is. And uh, they're, they're saying, by the way, as of right now, I've just got a quote from them. CBS says, we have returned all the files, that the files are, are have not been absconded, and we've returned them, and her, and her office has been locked. So obviously, CBS took so much heat immediately on this that they finally decided that, what one, what they were doing was unethical. It's never been done before. Catherine Hurridge is a, what can I say, high-quality investigative reporter. She's under review for something she did in 2017 where she won't give up personal and confidential um, material in a Fox case, and Fox has supported her. But when she left Fox and went to CBS, she began to investigate the Hunter Biden laptop. And she really was on, you know, was on it. There's no question that what we were told about the laptop was wrong, that we were lied to, that Senator Schiff was probably the biggest liar ever in Congress. She had all that. Uh, yeah. But the worst part for me isn't really the files, but that they fired her. Now, why would CBS, you know, with all of their money, Paramount, CBS, why would they fire her? They, they let 800 people go and they let her be one of them. Wouldn't you think that you would retain your top investigative reporter? Well, no, they didn't want to do that. CBS yeah. didn't want to do that, you know, because they, they under, they're not interested in controversy. They're not interested in taking on the power structure, which is what they, is what they should be doing. I have a quote that I got you guys from Edward R. Murrow. You know him, of course, Edward R. Murrow one of the great inventors of broadcast journalism, he said, quote, anyone who isn't confused doesn't understand the situation. Yeah. Murrow. Okay. I'm not confused. <laughs> they, bas yeah. they, they, bas they basically edited her out. It's cancel culture comes to journalism. I, it's abhorrent. That, that, that's what it is, Brian. And, and, and you know, Steve, the thing is, is, I know that they kind of covered this up and say, well, we had to fire a lot of people. They had just hired her and they must right. have paid her a pretty penny because they pulled her away from Fox. Fox would have happily taken her back. I have no doubt, but CBS made a better offer. Once she started reporting somebody, and I don't know if it was the, uh, I don't know if it was the CBS uh, news director, which of course is a job you held for so many years or whether it was the, the big ownership, which in this case is BlackRock. BlackRock owns CBS and Paramount and all of that stuff. And all of a sudden, she's let go. Everything is seized. As you said, the fallout happened when everybody went on X and all the other social platforms and said, this is absurd. Now they're saying, oh, well, we gave all that stuff back. I'm wondering if they gave it all back, but only after they copied all of it. Uh, you know, because it just doesn't sound right. And you're right. She was covering the hunting Hunter laptop. And I think that was probably a bridge too far for CBS or at least BlackRock. Uh, do you think that media is now been completely infested by corporate interest of parent companies that own said media? I think it's that I'm mean, like all the mainstream media has always been owned 
by conglomerates, right? I mean, the mom and pop stores went away at the end of the 1970s when when deregulation came in. That's not the problem to me, uh, as much as their vo- their viewpoint, right? It's their it's what do they believe in? How do they see the world? And I think the problem is that the people that run these massive corporations see the world through one looking glass. And that looking glass is the woke glass, unfortunately. And that uh, creates a sense that anyone who is coming up against that is problematic. Uh, I think, you know, Matt Getz was just uh, speaking at CPAC just before I came on. I was watching him. And he said, you know, the mainstream media thinks I'm crazy. They think that I'm an autocrat. I'm not an autocrat. I just want what America used to be about. And that wasn't such a bad thing, which was, you know, don't have a $34 trillion deficit, have an economy that we can afford, uh, be a a producer of natural gas and and gasoline and sink the Soviet Union and Iran by being uh, the the biggest exporter of oil. Uh, Do do these things sound crazy to you? You know, uh, so it seems to me that that is what infects uh, the conglomerates that run media. I don't think you could put any of them in a room and ask the questions that you and I and, and Brian have gone over in many weeks and say, what do you think about that? And they would not think what the progressive left thinks. And I think that's the problem. Yeah, that um, that baked in worldview, I think, is something that the the larger public and conservatives and independents are still struggling with understanding. It's like we oftentimes look at you know, systems like this or, or people who are behaving in ways that are just completely outside the framework of our country, our tradition, our, mm-hmm. our legal system, um, what it would mean to have uh, a free press. And we think, oh, well, they're drinking the Kool-Aid or, right. you know, they're they're pushing an agenda. But really, when you get right down to it, a lot of them actually have and in many cases were born into a family uh, that has the ideologies that we're talking about, and they go straight back to Marxism in many cases. I mean, Obama's a great example of that when you look at his mentors and stuff, and we see that all across uh, the Democrat side of the aisle on Capitol Hill. So, it, you know, it really causes a, um, it's it's almost like it's a, a intellectual, ideological discussion that can't be had anymore and all it is is like you know two different ideologies butting up against a brick wall and there's no you know what i mean there's just no more common ground you know what you mean. although I, I think for me it's it's not as as large an issue as ideology which requires some real deep thought and study i think it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction to where some folks think america is and it's a misunderstanding of this. Thing. Remember the First Amendment, right? We, we talk a lot about the Second. But the First Amendment, you know, talks about protection of your faith and your religion, your speech, freedom of the press, assembly, and the right to petition your government, right? There are five aspects to the First Amendment. But when you ask a regular person, and particularly somebody who calls themselves a Democrat, what do you think of the First Amendment? Well, a lot of the things I just said, they're looking to limit, Right. They don't really want us to have faith. I'm not saying that the country was ever founded as a Christian nation. I don't believe that. I think we were founded as a nation that was ecumenical and open to all faiths. That's what the First Amendment says. And then freedom of speech. Well, 
this is the problem, I think. And this is what we're talking about, Stephen, is a sense of do we really have the right anymore in America to speak in Biden's America? Can I yeah. say what I really think? Is it OK for me to say that I think that the idea of frozen embryos, that maybe those embryos should be think, thought of more as life form than something in a, in a frozen test tube? Is that OK? Well, in Alabama, they think it is. Uh, Nikki Haley thinks it is, and uh, some other folks do. But if you say that you think that life matters, even in its embryonic form, you've got a problem with the left. Yeah, that's and, for sure. And everything Steve, else that you, everything else that you may be and think about, can get canceled because of that view. That's right, among others. But that's a very good point. Uh, okay, Steve, listen, we got to take a real quick headline break. Uh, we come back, and I want to talk. I want to continue, not so much on the Catherine Herridge story, but the fallout that could come from it, and what it really means to journalism going forward. Because I think this is a canary in the coal mine situation with Catherine Herridge. Uh, I'll, I'll dive more into that with you on the other side. You're watching State of the Nation. We'll be right back after this short headline on TNT. I have some even more exciting news. TNT Radio News for TNT. This is James O'Neill. CBS News dismissed Catherine Herridge, a notable reporter known for her coverage of investigations into the Biden family and layoffs affecting hundreds of its employees. The Indian government anticipates resolving major issues raised by protesting farmers before March, the onset of the wheat growing season. Moscow has reported the capture of the settlement of Pobeda near the capital of the Donetsk People's Republic and has made strategic advances in the Donetsk region, according to the Russian Defense Ministry. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Okay, we're back with Steve Cohen on State of the Nation. Steve, um, as as I mentioned before the break, there, um, this Catherine Herridge story has, I think, is is bigger than a lot of people are really understanding at this point. But one thing I would comment on, and you kind of touched on it yourself, Catherine Herridge was uh was reporting and reporting honestly because that's who she is about this Hunter Biden laptop. Well, in the past week. This Alexei Smirnov guy that the FBI up until last week had hailed as one of their most uh, seasoned and, you know, he was straight up. This guy was a straight shooter. Well, all of a sudden they arrest him and say he lied about the Burisma Holdings deal with Hunter and Joe Biden. And he's been arrested now. He's been rearrested two days after he was initially released. So this morning on Joe Scarborough's show on MSNBC, Willie Geist, who's a guy I thought had some bit of integrity, he got up there and he said, with the arrest of Smirnoff, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he said, with the arrest of Smirnoff, this proves that the 51 ex-spooks that said that the laptop was Russian disinformation, they have been proven to be correct. <laughs> I mean, what? But that's where he jumped to. And I guarantee you, Willie Geist is not going to be fired and have all of his stuff confiscated uh, because Catherine Harris was telling a different story. What do you think about that? They're shaping the news, Steve. I, th I think it. I think it's. It, it is exactly what you said, Stephen. It's deeper than just Catherine. What it's about is it's it's the creation of a narrative that supports a hypothesis. Here's the hypothesis. Joe Biden is a better person to be president of the United States and support our ideology, to use Brian's term, than anyone else. 
and that we have to support that everywhere we can with a narrative that says that the Bidens and the Biden family not only are sacrosanct from any criticism, but they're righteous. Now, once you put that out of there as a narrative, which they have, they will put everything together to support that narrative. And that, unfortunately, is what's happening in a variety of other places besides support of the of the Bidens. I mean, look at the narrative that came that they came out with that Biden is OK, that he is mentally fit to be president of the United States for the next four years. Now, you know, any reasonable person or a Martian who would come in here would say that doesn't seem right. Where's the analysis? And by the way, who is Mr. Geist to be someone who is the purveyor of what is true or not on anything? I mean, basically, he's just another reporter. It's the sense of because I have an opinion, I should be able to say it on television as a journalist. Well, no, your opinion has to have a factual base in order to be supportive. That's what Miss Hestridge was. That's what she was doing. Right. Catherine was saying, I have a body of evidence that I'm prepared to support on my point of view over the Hunter laptop. That body of evidence did not agree with the general narrative. Therefore, she was canceled. Wow. Yeah, uh, this this idea of canceling you know, people like that is, is ridiculous. And, you know, I'm thinking about the, the backdrop here in the context and I'm thinking back to 2013 while still employed by uh, CBS, uh, Cheryl Atkinson alleged that her personal and work computers had been compromised. That turned into a whole big thing. She ended up appearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee in January of 2015 about that. Mm -hmm. And this is all happening in the background currently uh, with the wake of um, Gonzalo Lira having been, uh, extorted, tortured, and killed in a Ukrainian prison. Julian Assange being held, and just you know, mm -hmm. this week having his last chance to, um, you know, to 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 maybe have his extradition uh, not go through. And and I've got to wonder if some of this uh, stuff that you guys are talking about here that was seen on Scarborough's show is a response to the Schellenberger, Taibbi, and Gutentag release, which is exactly the opposite of what they're saying on Scarborough's show. Yeah, I don't think, though, that we have that we have to go too conspiratorial, Brian, although I think it's easy to do that. I think it's simpler than that. I mean, the United States government seems to be devoted to prosecution of people who want to say things that the government doesn't seem to like. Well, that's more like Russia than it is the United States. But that's what's happening. And then the second thing is what we call lawfare, right, which is the use of the courts as a tool to support the government's point of view. Lawfare is what's happening to former President Trump, right? You just can't look at all the cases against him and say that's not the use of law against him or the use of attorney generals who believe in lawfare against him. So you have the rise of government to stop free speech, saying that Assange shouldn't be heard. OK, well, we can figure this all out. Let's get him over here and figure it out. But sending people to, to jail because of what they have to say or not supporting people who have something to say and letting them rot in foreign prisons. That's really never happened before, gentlemen. I have to say that I think that's what is the frightening part for an old veteran like me is that you just look at the course of American history. And even in the time of Gene McCarthy, which we're all a little bit too young to to experience. Right. We were all kids then. But the McCarthy era was an era where most of the government and others finally came 
to get McCarthy. As Ed Merrow would say, it wasn't Fred Friendly and I who got McCarthy. McCarthy got McCarthy. Because yeah. what he had to say was so out of sync with what the constitutionally America wanted to be about in terms of free speech. That doesn't seem to be the case right now. Well, I, it really is scary, Steve. I mean, it's so it's reminiscent of Stasi. It's reminiscent of the uh, mm -hmm. uh, of 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 the KGB. The way they're doing this is just so. It's in you know. I think that most people that aren't completely locked in an ideological box, most people that don't have blinders on, can look at this and intuitively know something is different. Something's going on differently. And it just doesn't seem right. The, the the Cheryl Atkinson story, and I remember James Rosen had his phones bugged uh, thanks to the Obama administration. Now we're talking about Catherine Herridge. Uh, God, Laura Logan, we can go right down the path here. But it all seems completely different than what we used to. By the way, I just want to remind everybody, Steve, the book is called 50 Years in a Newsroom, a Eulogy. We're about out of time, but close it out for us, Steve. Where do you think we're headed as a country? Well, I, I think that in terms of media, we just have to be watchful. I think all of us who believe in the First Amendment, and especially freedom of speech and freedom of press, we can fight back. It's not hard. Uh, we all have a voice. And if we all express our voice in the direction of freedom, we're going to be okay. And that's what I believe. Well, Steve, thank you for uh, sharing your voice with us today. We look forward to having you back once again. Have a wonderful weekend, sir. Thanks for joining us on State you of the too, Nation. You too. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. There he goes. That's Steve Cohen. It's always good to get wisdom from the likes of Steve Cohen. We'll be right back with State of the Nation on today's News Talk after this. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Remember Adriana on The Sopranos? Here's how we last saw her. He's a strong kid, Chrissy. He's tough. Well, she got whacked. But last week, actress Drea DeMatteo was with Megyn Kelly, and the self-proclaimed liberal had some harsh words for those of her political ilk. I really do think that the left is way more um, just angry, and this is supposed to be the hippies and the, you know, the people that really do care about equality and inclusivity. And then all of a sudden, they are the ones shutting everything down, shutting everyone out, condemning freedom of speech, condemning everything. And she went after her Sopranos on-screen lover, Michael Imperiali. He was condemning some stuff on his Instagram feed that I noticed and, um, like, I remember. I thought that was I thought that was irresponsible. Last year, Imperiali posted on Instagram that he's going to make sure nobody who's a homophobe or a bigot ever watches The Sopranos or any of his work. The left is loony. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I'm Belinda, and this is Willard, and we were adopted in 2021. When we first met Todd, he was singing a song, and I was like, wow, look at this kid with the biggest smile, <laughs> and he has a big heart to match. The energy you give Todd, you get it back from Todd. Yeah. Todd's a joy. Yes, Todd's is. really is a great joy. I love him. <laughs> you and you. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Interviews, news, and views. You're listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
All right. Welcome back to State of the Nation. Well, California Congressman Adam Schiff has to go. Uh, the man is criminally corrupt to the core. He's claimed that he had seen clear evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. Remember that? He was on a damn 24-7 loop on CNN and MSNBC telling everyone that would listen that he has personally seen the evidence and it is damning. Well, he never revealed it. That's because it never existed. He's been a lying shill for years now, and the people of California, as well as the people of the United States, have suffered tremendously just simply because of Schiff and people like Schiff. Enter Eric Early. He has entered the political fray to take on Adam Schiff as the next senator for the uh, for the state of California, and we welcome him to the program now. Eric Early, hello, sir. Welcome to State of the Nation. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, listen, you've. I mean, it, it is no secret that you are in for a tough fight, not because Adam Schiff is a qualified guy that everyone loves, but rather because Adam Schiff is a crook that comes from the state of California, and it almost seems like it's 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 almost like it's just bestowed upon him. How are you going to manage this fight against Schiff? How, how's it going? Well, it's going great so far. You know, right now we have the uh, the primary on March 5th and the ballots are already out there. So people are already voting. But, uh, you know, I'm not just running against that pathological psycho. Uh, he's a danger to the nation, no doubt about it, and a national disgrace. He's all, But I'm also running against two others uh, uh, in his party, Katie Porter, who is in Congress. Uh, she proudly calls herself a progressive, which in the year 2024 means communist. And uh, and then you've got Barbara Lee, another one of them, and she's really uh, I think they fly her in from Havana on a daily basis. And then I then I've got uh, a very moderate Republican that some moderates in our party brought in the race. So it's very interesting. And and also, as far as Schiff, this is not my first time running against him. I ran against him for Congress uh, when he was going through the Russia hoax. So I'm very familiar with uh, with his uh, his deviousness. And this is the perfect time for it, I would say, because we've got the new reporting coming out from Gutentag, Schellenberger, and Taibbi with regards to uh, Russia Gate, sort of the nexus to this whole thing. I mean, there are new beans being spilled pretty much daily right now, uh, even as the mass media cartel does their best to ignore it. Uh, it does seem to be circulating pretty heavily. Um, are you following that story? I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure you probably are. But is that message getting out? Are you hearing people talking about it in California? Well, listen, you know, I'm the proud MAGA Republican in this race. I've been a uh, Trump supporter for many years now. When I was running against Schiff uh, during the Russia hoax, I was uh, doing my best to support the president then. And so, yes, I know what's going on generally with what I'm hearing by these reports uh, with the Russia uh, hoax, with the uh, CIA's and the FBI's involvement in that. And so many of us knew about that really for so long now. So I'm great to be, I'm very happy to be, be and the others are, are bringing it out. Uh, but, um, you know, this is what we're fighting. Um, we're fighting a, a deep state battle and they will do anything they can to destroy Trump and they will destroy anything they can to destroy Trumpism. And I firmly believe that uh, uh, many years ago, I don't know how long ago, Adam Schiff sold his soul to the deep state because, uh, you know, there was very likely so much compromising information on Schiff out there. And I firmly believe they basically said to him, listen, you're going to say everything we want you to say with respect to Trump. And in uh, return, we'll uh, basically uh, 
will wipe out the information that we have on you. So, um, you know, that's what we're dealing with. But as far as how that's impacting this race out here, listen, we have a mainstream media in the state of California uh, from the local news channels to the CNNs, MSNBCs, and these these sort of New York Times-esque papers like the LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle, Sacramento Bee, that want to keep all of that stuff locked away in a box because they are doing their best uh, to anoint Schiff or short of Schiff than Katie Porter. That's what we're dealing with out here. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, Eric, is that you you take a look at California, things couldn't get much worse in that state, frankly. And I, and I feel for the good folks of California because I know the state is largely, believe it or not, a conservative, but you've got huge pockets of blue and that's where Schiff and Pelosi and formerly, of course, Feinstein, whose seat you're looking to to fill. It seems to me that Diane Feinstein was pretty horrible, but by today's standards, a young Diane Feinstein would be considered a moderate in the party. So how is it that the people of California could jump from a Diane Feinstein and then say, we need more of that, but a little bit of added Marxism might be nice. I mean, because that's what they're going to get with an Adam Schiff. That's what they're going to get with a Porter. I don't know much about Steve Garvey, to be 100% honest with you. I mean, I know his baseball career. I don't know his political leanings. But I got to think that the people of California would wisen up to some of this stuff, no? Well, listen, first of all, when it comes to Garvey, you don't know his political leanings because nobody knows his political leanings. He's basically a void that was brought in by the moderates who run our California state party who are, are very unhappy with me because they know that I am the proud MAGA Republican and they just can't handle that, these these moderates that run our state party. So, uh, yeah, Garvey's running around as a void. The, the, uh, the thing that all Americans should be aware of is that and all Californians, we have millions of incredible patriots all around Californians, all around California. We have millions of proud Trump supporters all around California. I I campaign all around California. I've been doing it for the longest time. And, uh, and we get it and they get it and they see what's going on in this state and this country. And and all of us want to do everything we can to get these shifts and these Newsoms and these porters out of power. But um, what we're up against here in California is a uh, an entrenched far left power structure and a mainstream media. And uh, they will do everything they can to preserve their brand and preserve their ongoing uh, growth of Marxism in this state uh, and in this country. You know, California is the tip of the iceberg for that. And uh, this is really the hill they will die on to uh, to uh, preserve their effort to uh, undermine this entire country. And uh, and this is the hill that conservatives like me will fight on to do everything we can to not only get back California, but to help get back our country. Uh, but it is a it is a it's a it's an uphill battle. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, we've talked to a number of uh, conservative candidates out of California over the past couple of years, you know, did that leading into the midterm elections. And, you know, it's I'm always impressed when I meet someone like yourself. There's so many good politicians that want to get in there and fix things in California. And to me, it's like, where is the where's the United States GOP? Like where you would think that the larger GOP would be backing people like yourself. 
Um, are you getting much support from them? It seems like it would be an open goal for the larger GOP to say, you know what, we need to inject some support into this state and see if we can't reclaim some of it. Because as you said, it's the tip of the iceberg and it's, you know, sort of the bellwether to everything they're facing. Listen, uh, it's a great question. And unfortunately, the answer is no. The The National Republicans, uh, uh, for the most part, uh, don't go near California to help California candidates. They come here frequently to get money for their campaigns because there's no they know there's plenty of uh, wealthy Californians. But unfortunately, uh, you know, Republican sort of power brokers from around the country, or most of them anyhow, look at California as a political wasteland in terms of uh, really rebuilding the brand out here. Yeah, there's a couple uh, congressional representatives that they will come in and fight for. Uh, to keep in office as they should and to try and help a couple others get in office. But for the most part, they uh, they stay away from helping us rebuild out here. And it can be done if we had the national support that we need to uh, to bring California back. Uh, we could get back this state because of what I told you. Not only do we have so many millions of great uh, conservatives in this state, so many million uh, Trump supporters in this state, but we have more and more uh, moderate Democrats and independents who are looking at the mess that this state is in. I mean, California is a failed state and it's getting worse every day. And they're looking at this. They're looking at the crime. They're looking at the border that's open with millions running through. They're looking at the inflation and their costs of uh, costs of living. They're looking at the indoctrination of their kids going on their schools where you go into school starting in kindergarten now and you got to hear about it doesn't matter if you're born a boy or a girl. You could be anything you want to be. They're looking at boys and girls sports and men and women's sports and they're realizing more and more that it's coming from these flat out nut jobs that are in control of our state right now and are in control of federal government in Washington. So you know, we can switch things around in this state. I firmly believe that we will get back this state sooner rather than later. And uh, it's why people like me and uh, all the great people that support me keep fighting. Well, that's well said, Eric. I mean, I, you know, you're in California. You've got to deal with Sacramento. I'm in New Jersey. I have to deal with Trenton. I know what yeah. it's like uh, to be in, in, in a state where one political party has basically locked everything up. But what you just said about their Republican leadership, basically just uh, kind of just shrugging off California as a lost cause, that is so damning to the Republican Party, really. Yep. Because look, they've done the same thing with Black Americans. And look what's happening with Black Americans right now. They're turning around. They're saying, we're not voting for Democrats anymore. That is, a, as, as Hesher would say, that is an open goal opportunity for them to rush into that void and say, we're here for you. And as Trump said six years ago, what else have you got to lose? It seems that California needs to get some of that kind of fire in the belly from the, from the top-ranking Republicans. Hello, Mitch McConnell. And I guarantee yeah. you, Mitch McConnell's not going to drop a dime in that state. That must just be at least not until after the primary. And if you win that primary, God willing, um, he's still going to be reticent to dump a lot of money into it. That must just infuriate you. Well, listen, I uh, I gave up on Mitch McConnell a long time ago. <laughs> First of all, you talk about you talk about fire in the belly, man. He he has no fire in the belly, and uh, you know the positions I support are very MAGA type positions, and uh, you know Mitch McConnell's not necessarily that kind of uh, fellow. Let's say, you know, 
when I get in the U.S. Senate, there are a few great senators that I would like to align myself with. And uh, unfortunately, there are very few. Uh, but I'm talking about like uh, Ted Cruz, J.D. Vance, Josh Hawley, Mike Lee, uh, you know, a couple others up there. And um, and we have to st- start building that wing into the majority of the uh, the senators in the uh, in the U.S. Senate. And um, listen, it can be done. All I could tell you is you're talking to the ultimate fighter with the fire in his belly out here that keeps fighting uh, against this entrenched power structure in our state. And unfortunately, against the moderates that run our state party. I mean, that's really one of the most frustrating things is that you see the leadership of your own state Republican party who basically appear to believe that you have to be a uh, a Joe Biden Republican, as I call them, to uh, get any traction in this state. And, and you have to act like a Democrat and you have to be nice so that the media likes you. And that's all bogus. We've had almost 30 years of failure because of that attitude. Republicans in this state, people want somebody who are going to fight like me, who fights for our principles, won't back down and will keep fighting for all really all Californians. And uh, and I do believe the worm's going to turn. But but uh, but yes, having our state uh, party and some of the leadership of our state party, like a dinosaur named Sean Steele, for example, who. Um, you know, and a couple others who I won't name, who just who just keep bringing up these these milquetoast moderates. It's uh, it's terrible. We need fighters, and and that's why I'm doing my best to get in the top two, and that's why they're doing their best, even on the Republican side, to keep me from getting into the top two. These milquetoast quote unquote Republicans are not what our state needs. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. I I'm a Californian living in Texas now. I had to get myself out of there, but. I take great interest in what's going on there because I have so many friends and family there. And I'm looking at the things that are on your platform, on your website, and they are battleground things in that state. They are, they are certainly things that a milquetoast moderate is not going to stand up yeah. and do, like protecting exactly. children, rescuing yeah. the economy, securing the border, stopping this crap restorative justice and these psycho uh, Soros DAs from destroying the country. I mean, these are big ticket items. Those are big fights. You got to have big gloves to take those things on in California. So in our last uh, minute and a half or so, kind of, you know, go at it. Tell us which, how you how are you going to protect the children there? How are you going to secure the border? Probably too big a question for two minutes, but go for it. Well, I'll make it quick. You know, I'm fighting uh, for what I call the eyes, immigration, inflation, indoctrination, incarceration, Israel on immigration. we got to lock down the border. If we have to, I would support sending the military to the border to help us do that. Uh, inflation, uh, Californians are being crushed financially, just like Americans all around the country, thanks to these Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Adam Schiff type policies. We need to drill again. We need to bring down the price of a barrel oil, bring down the price of barrel oil, bring down the price of just about everything else across the board. Indoctrination. I got a lot of experience in that, uh, dealing with and pr- protecting parents and children. They're stealing the brains of our children. They are dividing our children by race. They're teaching children to hate America and the sexual fluidity stuff has to be stopped. Um, Incarceration, pretty basic. Uh, There's got to be punishment for violent criminals. Out here in California, it's a criminal's paradise. With Israel, I stand with Israel, the death cult of Hamas and their benefactors, those Tehran mullahs. 
you know, Hamas has to be destroyed. So I'm Eric Early, ericearly.com. We got a great campaign going. I could use everybody's support. All right. Yeah. Well, you know what? California, that is the place. And Eric Early, he should be your man. That's for sure. You can also follow Eric on x.com, formerly Twitter, at Eric Early underscore CA. And again, the website, ericearly.com. Eric, best of luck in your campaign. I hope you'll come back and give us an update. We'll love to hear from you again. Uh, and again, get out to the website and support him, ericearly.com. Thank you, Eric. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right. Stay tuned. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT.